11 a.m. Good morning. It is so good to see you. My name is Zach Summers. I'm on the Life Groups team here at Valley Real Life, and I get the wonderful opportunity to share with you today our message. Uh, and But uh, I don't know about you, this past think, weekend, though, I was, uh, it's snowing, kind of f- coming down. I was, congratulations, you survived our first ice storm where half of Spokane forgets how to drive. Um, any of you in this room, it's your first winter in Spokane? Okay, we got a couple. Welcome to the area. It's good luck. Um, just <laughs> break more in earlier. Um, but I grew up in Ohio. I've been here for about eight years, but growing up in Ohio, I literally learned how to drive in the snow and in the ice. Uh, but it always gets me thinking and gets me excited because that means it's Christmas time, friends. It's Christmas time. We get to think about all the blessings that come with Christmas, the presents, the fun, the shop. I am actually, I really like shopping, going out to the malls, the chaos, all the fun stuff. But we, we get to have and enter into this time of, uh, there's a lot of happiness. So for 15 seconds, I want you to look at your neighbor, look at the person next to you, behind you, around you. What makes you happy? What's something that brings you happiness? You have 15 seconds, Go. My favorite thing about asking this question is hearing the giggles and the laughs and the joy and the happiness come up as you reflect and think of memories and all these other things because there's a lot of things in this world that can make us happy. What makes me happy? Great question. My wife. I got a picture here. This is my wife. This is Casey. We've been married for six months. So we're, we're professionals at this point. We know what we're doing. Uh, you can keep your advice, you know. Uh, I don't know why you guys say it's so hard. It's been six months. I feel like we've been through it all, you know. No, um, it's just been uh, a pleasure uh, uh, being married to Casey. She is uh, just my biggest cheerleader. She loves me. She supports me. And it brings me a lot of happiness. But dare I say, uh, she doesn't bring me joy. Because my joy comes from a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And my wife brings me lots and lots of happiness. But my joy, which is different than happiness, comes from Christ. And that's what a, a point I wanna make today is that happiness and joy are not the same thing. Because if you've ever been around a truly joyful person, you know that no matter what they go through, even in the moments where it's really hard, man, they are inspiring. They are authentic. They are sincere. And you just wanna Stick to them like mud on a pig. Um, That's Ohio, sorry. Um, But what's beautiful about this idea of joy, um, and essentially if there's anything we we get to talk to, uh, I get to talk to you today about, um, we're doing the song Joy to the World today. And that idea of joy to the world has a lot uh, behind it. So if you get one thing today, if you're taking notes, this is the one thing I want you to take notes on today, essentially, is that this, this is the main point. In order for us to share joy to the world, we first need to have joy in our hearts. So what is joy? That is a great question. Let me answer that for you. What is joy? Well, uh, I was doing some research, came upon the Bible Project. If you don't know what the Bible Project is, I, I highly recommend it. They have videos on YouTube about how to essentially read and understand the Bible. And they say this about joy. Biblical joy is more than a happy feeling. 
It is a lasting emotion that comes from the choice to trust that God will fulfill his promises. Oh, that's so beautiful. So my joy is in my relationship with Christ because I believe that he will fulfill his promises. Now, the word joy in the New Testament, kara, uh, is uh, used 59 times in the New Testament. And it's used in a lot of different settings. A lot of different settings, a lot of different situations, some good and some bad. So to illustrate how happiness is different than joy, I wanna take, through, take you through a couple Bible verses to show you how it's used in the New Testament and show you a bigger view of joy. So the first one uh, is the angels appearing to the shepherds. Now this is like the Christmas passage. All right, this is what we all get excited about. See, uh, in Luke 2, the angels appear to the shepherds and they say, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring joy, great joy to all people. Now the angels, they're talking about the fact that Christ is about to be born, little baby Jesus. He's about to come down in a manger and be born. And what's beautiful about that is Christ eventually is born so that one day he can live a perfect and sinless life, die on the cross for our sins and be resurrected to prove that he is king. The beautiful thing about that as well is that essentially this is the joy that is coming to the world. This is the joy that we get to celebrate around Christmas time. Christ has come, our savior is here. The next one is uh, Jesus himself, before he goes to the cross and before he goes to die for our sins, he says this in John 16, so you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. And then you will rejoice and no one can rob you of that joy. Uh, after Jesus dies and is resurrected, he then actually ascends into heaven. And it's as he is ascending into heaven that we see this from the disciples. So they worshiped him and then they returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy. Very confusing moment to see Jesus go up into the sky. But nevertheless, they worshiped him with great joy. Paul, about his life in Acts, Paul's a, a big missionary that we see in the Bible. He, he writes this, and, and a forewarning, the word grace you're gonna see, it's the same word as joy, kara, grace and joy, you'll see it being the same thing. But my life is worth nothing to me, this is what Paul says, unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news of the wonderful grace, joy, of God. The joy and grace of knowing God. It says, the uh, Bible says this about those being tested and poor. Anybody grew up poor? Hello. Uh, they are being tested by many troubles and they are very poor. Oh, it's kind of sad. Not a lot of happiness. But they're also filled with an abundant joy that leads and is over overflows into rich generosity. Oh, it's, the Bible is so beautiful. Despite trials and suffering, James tells us, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, Consider it an opportunity for great joy. And the reason for the writing of all of Scripture, 1 John tells us, we are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy, our trust that God will keep his promises. It's much bigger than just happiness. And it's only attained because Jesus has come and was born to fulfill God's promise of a coming savior. We think we, have, we will get joy, essentially, in this Christmas season. 
Um, when we have that picture-perfect moment, you know, you see the commercials, the husband buys his wife a Lexus with a big old bow and says, Merry Christmas, darling, here's our joy. Has anybody ever gotten a Lexus for Christmas? That'd be like, are you kidding? You made a significant financial decision without me. This is the worst thing that could have happened, actually. Maybe the, ha- the happiness and the fun happens for a day, but that's not joy. You see, the, Christ- the picture-perfect Christmas moment can happen for a day, but what about the other 364 days of the year? Because that moment won't last, and it's only joy in Christ that will last. So why do we sing joy to the world at Christmas time? Because Christ being born is the beginning of the fulfillment of God's greatest promise of a coming savior. God coming and, and finishing the story and saying, you know what, look, I know you make mistakes. I know the world has sinned, but here I'm gonna give you my son, my only son, and he's gonna love you and he's gonna give his life for you so that if you believe in him, you would have eternal life. This is the beginning of God's greatest promise of a coming savior. This is why we sing Joy to the World. The first, the first stanza of Joy to the World, Joy to the World, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. Heaven and nature sing. The baby's here. You ever see a, a, a gender reveal or a baby post on Facebook? Everybody, everybody likes them. Baby posts are the most popular posts in the world. Because we get excited. And we have a joy to know that God is working to fulfill his promises. So, our joy is based on an understanding and trust that God will and has fulfilled his promises. Joy to the world. Christ was born, the Savior has come. This is the heart of everyone who sings this song at Christmas. But who wrote Joy to the World and why did they write it? Another great question, let me answer that for you. You see, I did a lot of research and uh, I, could, I could sit here and I could list you off a lot of facts about, hey, this is all how it happened. But instead, I took all those facts, I put them into the computer, I worked with AI, and I said, hey, I want to create a based on a true story, story like a movie, you've seen a bunch of those, uh, about the writer of Joy to the World and the, uh, thank you, um, and the story behind it. So I want to tell you a little bit about the life of Isaac Watts. So if you indulge me, we're going to enjoy a little Christmas story together. It's not really a Christmas story, but it's a story nonetheless. The setting, oh, thank you, fire, fire noises. The setting is 1690s in early England in a small liturgical church. Now, here's the curious thing. In most churches in England at this point, they don't even have organs yet. Every hymn that you know or have heard of hasn't even been written yet. All right? This is before all that. Typically, they only sing uh, the Psalms in churches. So enter the story of little teenager Isaac Watts. As the sunbeams dance through the stained glass windows of an old church, casting a kaleidoscope of colors onto the worn wooden pews, a teenage boy who recently accepted Christ as his savior sat fidgeting in his seat. His brow was furrowed in concentration, his fingers tapping impatiently against the surface of a psalm book. Isaac, his father began, his voice gentle yet firm. I've noticed your discomfort during our psalms. Do you find them lacking in inspiration? The young man hesitated for a moment, unsure of how to express his feelings without offending his father, but his honesty won out. Father, he confessed, I find our singing to be stale. The words seem hollow and the melodies fail to stir my soul. Son, he said, placing a hand on his son's shoulder, 
I too have felt a yearning for hymns that capture the full spectrum of joy, sorrow, hope, and fear. Hymns that speak to the heart and not just the mind. Isaac's eyes lit up with hope. His father's words validated his own feelings and ignited a spark of creativity within him. Well, son, his father said, if you're so disgruntled with the songs that we sing, why don't you write something better? But father, he exclaimed, we sing the Psalms. My, my songs won't be received by the church. They will reject me and my songs. Do you really think I should write my own hymns? The father smiled warmly. I encourage you to do so, my son. Let the joy you have for the Lord permeate your songs and overflow onto those around you. Years passed and Isaac became a pastor and a tutor at local universities. Unfortunately, there were still many people, powerful and older ministers, who spoke out against Isaac's lively melodies, arguing they were too human in nature. This led the young man to keep most of his work close to his chest, most of his songs close to his chest. None of it yet published for the broader world, but just kept within the proximity of his local church. One evening, as the young man sat by his father's deathbed, the young man's reluctance to publish his hymns was challenged. Father, he said, I fear that my, my hymns are not good enough. I fear that they will be rejected and ridiculed and seen as nothing more than ramblings of a foolish boy. The father looked at him with a knowing smile, his eyes filled with wisdom and love. My son, his father said, the world, not just England, needs your hymns, needs your unique voice. Do not let the fear of criticism hold you back. If you want to bring joy to the world, you must first have an unashamed joy in your heart. The rest of this story is true. In Isaac's lifetime, his hymns and the church uh, were outlawed in England until 1689, when Isaac was about 15, roughly the time he accepted Christ, and began writing hymns. With a sense of purpose and challenge from his father, Isaac vowed to write and publish his hymns to share his gift of joy to the world. He wrote hymns for 15 years before officially publishing anything. He published his first collection of hymns uh, five years after the death of his father. But amidst the Christian revival of that time, his hymns were actually met with overwhelming praise and acceptance spreading far and wide, touching countless lives. They began to be adapted, translated, and sang all across the world. Isaac Watts went on to write and publish over 750 hymns in his lifetime. One notable hymn, Joy to the World, he wrote this in the margins. I have fully expressed what I esteem to be the first and chief sense of the Holy Scriptures. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Now why did Isaac write Joy to the World? <laughs> why do we sing worship songs? Why did David write the Psalms? It's because out of their personal and deep relationship with Jesus, they developed a joy that was unashamed and irresistible that they couldn't help but share to anyone around them. That's why we have all of our worship songs, because there's something that happens. There's a joy that wells up within us that, that forces us in some way, that is irresistible, that is, challenges us to 
to share the joy that we have in, in a way more than, than words can, can do, in a way that there's a blessing that comes from music, a blessing that we get from these Christmas songs that help us reflect, and they can encapsulate more of the human experience and more of our deep love for God than, than we can sometimes say with mere words. Isaac wrote Joy to the World because he had a joy in his heart that he knew he needed to proclaim and share to the world. But I wanna tell you a fun fact about this song. This song, Joy to the World, is not a Christmas song. He didn't write it about Christmas. He wrote it about the second coming of Christ. Interesting. What is the second coming? Great question, you guys keep asking great questions. Um, let me answer. The second coming of Christ, kind of a, a, a little bit of a high view here, is, uh, will be the fulfillment of promises God made for Jesus to return and rule over all creation. See, after Jesus ascended into heaven, we talked about that a little earlier, the people watching Jesus ascend hear this. Men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but will someday return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Now, there's a lot of differences in opinions around the second coming of Christ, but most Orthodox Christians believe that Jesus will return in some way, bringing an end to the world, judgment for the wicked, and peace for all believers. But some of the most heated arguments about the second coming are not about what's gonna happen, but more about when it's gonna happen. And everyone has an opinion about this. I have an opinion about this. You have an opinion about this, maybe. Your uncle on Facebook definitely has an opinion about this. Okay, um, social media is <laughs> just riddled with these opinions. Jesus is coming soon, get ready. You're not wrong. Soon is a relative term. But the reality is we don't know when the second coming is, is, is happening. We don't know when Jesus is gonna return to rule over all the world in the way that he promises. But what do we know? Well, Jesus himself tells us this. However, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven, or the son himself, only the father knows. So we don't know when, but he gives us a hint in Matthew as well. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all the nations will hear it and then the end will come. The good news, the gospel will spread to every nation, the entire world, and then the end will come. This is what Isaac Watts was writing Joy to the World about. So let's look at the lyrics again. Maybe you can think about it with a different lens now. Joy to the World, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room, or heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world, uh, joy to the earth. Uh, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. joy. He rules the world with truth and grace. He makes his nations prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. This is what Isaac is writing about. He's writing about a time where Jesus is gonna come back and he's gonna rule with grace and truth in a way that only Jesus can. But there's a verse that's also often left out. And it's now become my favorite verse. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the grounds, he comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. 
It's great to think about the second coming and what's ahead of us. But our joy comes from understanding that God will fulfill his promises. And when I read that, I'm reminded of the promise that no matter the sorrow or sin that is in my life, no matter what I've done, no matter what has happened to me, no matter what I will do, if I put my faith in Jesus, I can trust that he will fulfill his promises. And I am no longer trapped by sin and sorrow, but I can live a life of joy dedicated to telling others of it. I think we can learn two things from Joy of the World, and the first is that you can trust in God's promise that if you put your faith in Jesus, sin is defeated. You are no longer stuck in addiction. You are no longer plagued by the identity of being a sinner, but you are now a beloved son and daughter of the king who can live with joy. In John 10, 10, Jesus says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan wants to take your joy, but I have come so that you may have life and life to the full. That is a promise that Jesus makes to you if you put your faith in him. And my joy comes from in believing that promise that he's with me in the midst of it and that no matter what happens, that I can consider all things an opportunity for great joy. And I'm not held by the pain or the sorrow in my life that so easily distracts us and plagues us. Plagues me. Life is hard. And Satan will fight as hard as he can to steal your joy. But if your joy is in a trust that God will fulfill his promise, Satan can't steal it. Because God has, will, and will continue to fulfill his promises. The first point, the first thing we can learn, ultimately, is that you can trust in God's promise that if you put your faith in Jesus, sin is defeated. The second thing is you can trust, uh, sorry, the whole world needs to hear about the joy we have in Christ. The second thing we know is the whole world needs to hear about this joy. Just like Isaac Watts, he, was, he struggled with publishing, he was insecure, he had some fear, his, his father challenged him, and, and out of that challenge, he decided, you know what, I have a joy that I've, I've just got to share. Not only did he write Joy to the World, he wrote 749 other songs proclaiming the good news that have spread across the world. What an example. Can I tell you some interesting statistics in a 2020 census, Spokane was 25.875 evangelical Protestant. That's like the big bucket, essentially Christian. About 10 to 13% are Catholics. Most of those people maybe attend church for Christmas and Easter. What does this tell me? Three-fourths of our neighbors don't have a relationship with Jesus or they refuse to. Most of the people you interact with on a daily basis at work, at the grocery store, at the coffee shop, in, in, wherever you are in your family maybe, these people, they don't know Jesus. They don't have the joy in a relationship with Jesus and trusting that God is gonna fulfill his promises. Most of the people you interact with don't have this joy. And we walk by them. And it's hard to share our joy with these people sometimes. And it's scary. We have a lot of fear about it. But the reality is that most people in Spokane don't have a relationship with Jesus. And I'm not praying for them enough. 
But let's back up a bit. It's not just joy to Spokane, it's joy to the world. Did you know that over three billion people across the world have little to no access to the gospel? This doesn't mean that they've heard about Jesus and have rejected him. This means that they've never seen a Bible. They've never been told about Jesus. They don't have access to a church. They don't have access to missionaries. This is where they live. They live in Northern Africa, the Middle East, and, and, and Asia. A third of the world doesn't know or has never even had the opportunity to hear the name of Jesus. There's more people now today that don't have a relationship with Jesus than ever before because of population growth. There's also more people ever right now that believe in Christ because of population growth. But the struggle is that there are, and the reality is there are three billion people That's 13,000 cities of Spokane that don't know Jesus. I was talking to Steve Allen about this. We talk about this regularly. Steve and I are pretty passionate about it. And he told me something about the Coca-Cola company that I had to confirm. So I did, I fact-checked it, and he said this about the Coca-Cola company. Coca-Cola company has a presence in more than 200 countries. It's been listed as the world's most valuable brand, serving a daily average of 1.9 billion people. 94% of the world's population recognizes the red and white logo of the Coca-Cola company. 94% of our world knows Coca-Cola, but yet there's 3 billion people in the world that have never even heard of Jesus. We're being beaten by a soda pop company. And that breaks my heart. It breaks my heart because I realize that I'm not praying for those three billion people and I'm not praying for my neighbors. I believe this disparity is so great because there are Christians who are living lackluster, lukewarm, joyless, self-indulgent lives. And me too. I get so distracted, especially around the Christmas season, with things that are gonna bring me happiness and all these other things, as opposed to living my life joy-filled, focused on God's promises, and focused on giving joy to the world. I'm more focused on getting a new stereo for my truck. Real. I want my heart to break for those who don't know Jesus and who don't have this joy that I have. Joy to the world, the song, and scripture teaches us that we have a mission to proclaim joy to the world, not just sing about it during Christmas time. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. All nations. We are his plan to reach this world. We are his plan to share joy to the world. So why do we sing this song at Christmas time? And what can, we, what can we reflect as we sing this song at Christmas time? Well, there's a quote from um, some of my research um, that I wanted to read that kind of talked about the second coming, first coming, all the things. Why can, we re- why can we sing this song at Christmas time? The song is about the fulfillment of what Christ came to do in the first place, to die for our sins. Christ is not, Christmas is not only a time to look back at the grace accomplished in the past but it's 
Christmas is also a time to look forward to the grace that was accomplished for our future. When we sing these words, we are proclaiming the ultimate joy to be revealed, and this is why we can sing joy to the world at Christmas. So we have the knowledge that we need to proclaim this joy to the world. But what do we do when our lives are not reflecting the joy that Jesus promises? And I think it's because we're trying to put our joy in other things. I wanna say this very clearly. It is only, only through a personal relationship and a personal understanding of what Christ has done is doing and will do, past, present, and future, for the world, that the world can have everlasting joy. And to make that personal, it is only through a personal understanding of what Christ has done for you and will do for you that you can have this joy that I talk about, that you can have the joy that Scripture mentions so many times. And if you're struggling with finding that joy, may I encourage you and challenge you God has promised this. God has promised you joy, unwavering, unshakable, irresistible joy. He promises it to you. Do you trust him? You may sing that joy to the world, uh, he rules the world, but does he rule your life? Do you let him? Do you let his joy rule you in your heart? This Christmas season, what is the true reason for your joy? Is it a marketed pursuit of happiness that is thrust down our throats every Christmas season? Or is it the promise of Christ's victory in the world and in your life? What can you do today and this week to share your joy to those around you and your joy to those around the world? I said it in the beginning and I wanna say it again. In order to share joy to the world, you first need joy in your heart. I want that joy. I want you to have that joy. God wants you to have that joy. But it only comes through a personal relationship with Christ. And so if you're sitting here today and you maybe have not Maybe you don't have that joy. Maybe you don't have that relationship with Christ. I wanna invite you in this uh, next moment when we get up and the band's gonna sing and we're gonna sing a worship song uh, to come to the cross and there will be some people praying uh, that you can pray with and they would love to pray over you and invite you into that relationship with Christ. Well, maybe you are a Christian and maybe you have this joy but you've been afraid to share it. Maybe you've never even been baptized and you wanna say, you know what, today I wanna declare that I have a joy in my heart and I wanna declare and proclaim that I'm gonna go out and give joy to the world. I'm gonna give you the same call to go over to the cross during the worship song and get baptized today and declare that truth. Let's stand and I wanna pray us into this next song. Jesus, I thank you for everything you've done for me. Jesus, I thank you for the story of Christmas and, and Christ's birth and, and the angels coming saying, I bring, I bring good news that's gonna bring great joy to all people. And Jesus, I want that joy. 
But more importantly, Jesus, I just want a relationship with you because I know that you promised those things. God, this isn't about a prosperity gospel that we get joy and then we're happy for the rest of our lives, but Jesus, this is a, this is a promise to say no matter how life goes, within the good and the bad, within the sorrow, within the difficult moments, Jesus, you promise a life that is full and you promise joy that is unshakable and everlasting. And Jesus, I think there's some people right now in this room that are struggling to receive that joy. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move in a way and encourage them with the promise that it's within reach if they just put their faith in you, Jesus. God, let us have joy in our hearts so that we may share joy to the world. In your name we pray, amen. We're gonna sing Joy to the World now, but I specifically asked the worship team to do a different version of it. I asked them to do a version that is slower because I want you to read and sing these words to reflect a prayer that is gonna come from your heart. I want you to interact with these words as worship, not just as a song that we sing during Christmas, but as a declaration that with the joy in my heart, I'm gonna proclaim joy to the world. Let's worship together. Sing this out together. Oh, joy to the world. The
so good to sing those words out with you guys, that unshakable joy that we have that's found in him, amen? Go ahead, have a seat. Let's take a look at these screens. Every year here at Valley Real Life Church, we set aside one day to give away 100% of the offering comes in. That's our annual Joy to the World offering. This is our ninth annual year to do that. Just over the last three years, we've given away over a million dollars. We've paid off $300,000 of medical debt. We've built 34 wells in Western Uganda. And then last year, we paid for the resettlement of hundreds of coming into this area. But this year, we're doing our biggest endeavor yet. Here in America, we are so blessed with the quality of our high schools, but not everybody around the world is. Our partner in the Philippines has shared a great need they have, and we had a chance to see that need. Last summer, we sent a youth team to the Philippines, and we heard of an awesome opportunity that has been given to Covenant City Church. There's a high school of 9,000 kids that has reached out to the church asking if they would help train them in human growth and relationships, and in addition, to teach them about Jesus. And so throughout the next year, this school is gonna send groups of kids to the church. And we get a chance to provide curriculum as well as to make this an event for them with food so that these kids will come back to the church, hear more about Jesus and begin this life of faith. Last summer, we were in Fort Portal, Uganda with our partner, Ronald Cazito, and we saw firsthand what education looked like these cardboard walls that these kids were in, and not every child gets a chance for an education. This Christmas, what we're gonna do is we're gonna expand the school system right there at Living Spring Church so that every orphan of school age will get a chance to receive an education and in turn, break the cycle of poverty that they face. Kids like this have such an incredible opportunity because they can come to Sunday school and hear the gospel. But guys, buckle up. We're gonna do something unlike anything we have ever done before. We're going into the darkest area of the world, the Middle East, the most unreached, unengaged area. And these kids are coming from the most impoverished areas of the Middle East and don't even have a chance for education. And so we're gonna build two kindergarten centers that are gonna radically impact these communities. And not only are these kids gonna be able to receive an education, more importantly, they're gonna receive the greatest news in the world, the story of Jesus Christ. So this year's Joy of the World is unlike anything we've done before. You know, in the Philippines, a chance for 9,000 kids to hear the gospel. In Uganda, to break that cycle of poverty by educating every orphan kid. And then in the Middle East, to go to the darkest places by building kindergartens to get into the heart of the community. And we need you to be part of it. We need you to partner with us in Joy to the World this year, and there's several ways you can do that. You can go online to vrl.church slash joy to the world, or come to one of our Christmas Eve services. This is the joy to the world year that we're gonna change the future of thousands of kids around the world, and we want you to be a part of it. 